Hi, this is Casey Treat. I'm pastor at Christian Faith, and we are excited to have you with us on our podcast. Thanks for joining in. I'm praying that you're gonna hear a word that will inspire you, empower you to connect with Jesus and become more like Him. That's what we live for. That's what's happening on today's podcast. And as we go through our family series, we're calling it Family Unfiltered, right? Some of us look good for the Instagram picture, for the Facebook picture, because you can do a lot of filters, right? You can erase all the bad stuff and make the picture look good. But we want to look good unfiltered. We want to look good not just on social network, but in real life. So here's one way to do it. Get the cards Speak them over your life, over your family. Give one to your child each morning as they're off to school. They're kind of pink, so maybe they work better for your daughters. But your sons can use the scripture too and uh, make it real in their life. So this week, we're going to get into marriage relationship. We're going to find out how to get the blessing of God on your marriage. Now, This is important because if you don't have it, your marriage is probably going to fail or at least be a grind, right? right? In the world, our stars, our heroes, we expect their marriages to fail, right? Nobody is shocked when Bragelina, I don't know who that is, but I heard that. Nobody's shocked when Bragelina gets a divorce because we all know it's it's short-lived, Nobody's shocked when J-Lo A-Rod cancel their engagement, whatever it was. Okay, we're sad for them because it's drama and trauma, but we're not surprised because in the world, marriages fail. Many of us come from families with broken marriages, blended marriages, uh, maybe never had a marriage. So how do you get the blessing of God on your marriage? And we're starting John chapter 2. This is such a great story because John is kind of like the genesis of the New Testament. The first chapter is about creation. In the beginning was the Word. The Word is with God. The Word was God. And and the Word came forth in Jesus. The second chapter is about marriage. God created. Adam and Eve brought them together. Man and woman. Husband and wife. Jesus' first miracle was at a wedding. So think of it as the New Testament Genesis and the importance, the value that Jesus puts on marriage. Okay, I know half our congregation here today is single. So we're teaching you things that will work at your office, will work with your friends, will work in your future. You need this as much as the husbands and wives need this. So don't check out and don't start watching the game. John chapter 2, verse 1. There was a wedding in Cain of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. Did you invite Jesus to your wedding? And they ran out of wine. The mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. The mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. 
As with most, most mothers, she ignored what her son said. However, if your son is Jesus, you would think, but nope, mama is on a mission. There were set there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said, fill the water pots with water. They filled them up, and he said, draw out now and take it to the master of the feast, and they took it. The master of the feast tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom, and he said, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and then at the end, when everybody's drunk, the inferior. You've kept the good until now. This beginning of signs or miracles Jesus did in Cana of Galilee manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Awesome story, right? You're always going to find a place in your marriage and in your family where you lack. You run out. You run out of time. You run out of patience. You run out of money. You run out. Did you invite Jesus wow. to your wedding, to your marriage, into your family? And when, let's talk about this first point, intentionality. Yeah. They invited him right. on purpose. Right. They got Jesus into the marriage mm -hmm. intentionality. Right. And it is amazing, too, that we see the very first miracle. I mean, I, I know Casey mentioned that, but the very first thing that Jesus really is shown is this amazing covenant of marriage. And look what the world has done with the amazing covenant of marriage. You know, this, it's so discredited. It's like many Christians don't even get married anymore or even have that as the dream and the vision. And then there's so many divorces, and yet Jesus really put a priority on that first part, that, that relationship. And actually, if you look at the very creation of time, they created all of the heavens and the earth. They created man. And then man says, hey, excuse me, I'm not, I'm, I'm not really interested in this by myself. And God says, oh yeah, no worry. And he said, and then this is in Genesis. He made a woman, but he brought Adam a wife. There is always a distinction and a difference in understanding what a wife is in, a, in, a, in the relationship of life. Like, and so, and really the value that God puts on the, the value of marriage. And I would say maybe we have to, as Christians, really understand what does the Bible say and then be intentional in our understanding and intentional in our belief about that, of the value of what God has in this covenant of marriage. It must have a lot more secrets to it, a lot more blessing to it, a lot more value to it, then maybe we're giving it. Sure. You know, maybe we are devaluing what God has put on a very high value because it's at the beginning of the creation and it's the beginning of Jesus' walk of the miracles of earth. And so when he talks about like, I love though that they, inten they intentionally invited Jesus. And mm. I'm like, are we intentionally, like, are we intentionally making Jesus a priority in our life? I mean, like, there's so much stuff that goes on in our world. There's so much squished into our days of life, you know. But I'm like, huh, I wonder do we, like, recognize the value of not just, you know, oh, yeah, just, like, make it work, but that we intentionally make certain decisions in life. And so when we think about our marriage relationship, you know, the value that God puts on it, so what are we intentionally doing in this relationship? 
What's our intention? How do we, what do we intend in our, in our minutes, in our hours, in our days, in our weeks, in our months? How are we intentionally building this relationship right here? Yeah, I think a lot of things we kind of back into, right? So maybe we got into a job accidentally, mm. right? Well, I didn't really plan to get this job, but so-and-so told me about it, and so-and-so was a friend that worked there, and I just checked, and yeah, and it worked out. You kind of back in to your job. Maybe you had children that way. Didn't really plan to have children, but got pregnant, and we're excited, and we're going to make it work. And many people kind of back into life. Mm -hmm. yeah, things happen. It's kind of like turning on the TV. Let's see what's on. Right. What do you plan to watch? I don't know. I'm just going to see what's on. That's not how you should be living life. Right. Let's just live and see what happens. Yeah. No, let's plan. Let's purpose in our hearts. Let's be intentional to get Jesus in there and to walk with him and to receive from him and to have his will yeah. in every part of life. Amen. Right. Right. Amen. Right. All right. Number two. Yeah. But can I just add this one thought? In, no. in it, yes, you can. No, you yes, can't. Yes, I can. <laughs> I'm oh already on to number two. I know. <laughs> uh, hello. Praise the Lord. So in that intentional thought. See, just like Mary. <laughs> which she had the word of the Lord. So let's go for that. Whatever. But I would just say in, in, in your notes, when you're thinking about intentionality, think in terms of your spirit, your soul, your finances, your time. Really think about what am I intentionally doing in those areas of my dailiness of life and watch what changes. Like what will you intentionally add and what do you intentionally take out? Good. That was a good point, Mary. <laughs> Number two, act on his word. Yeah. Mary says to the servants, even though Jesus has said, it's not my time, mm -hmm. I'm not coming out right now. But Mary says, whatever he says yes. to you, do it. That's a great word for all of us. Wow. So if you good. call Jesus Lord, mm -hmm. whatever he says to you, do it. Yeah. Right? But we don't think that way as Christians. We, we kind of think about the Bible as optional. Mm -hmm. We don't have the Ten Commandments. We have the Ten Ideas. Uh -huh. It's an idea, but I may or may not do it. Yeah. We have the Ten Suggestions. And the things that Jesus says, we kind of take them as, well, I'll think about it, right? Mm -hmm. Jesus said to pray. And when you pray, say. Do you do it? Well, kind of when I remember, if I have time. You know, not every day. I'm not that radical. But <laughs> whatever he says to you, do, do it. it. Jesus said you ought to tithe. Uh -huh. Do you tithe? Well, I could. I would if I could. I'm trying. But, you know, I can't always. Not something I do every week. I'm not like that into it. No, whatever he says to you, do it. Yeah. Jesus said, believe, use your faith, yeah. speak to your mountains. Yeah. No, actually, I like to talk about my mountains. Uh -oh. I like to hug my mountains. Uh -huh. I like to love my mountains. Yeah. I like to call all my friends and share my mountains. Yeah. <laughs> whatever he says to you, uh -huh. do, do it. it, right? Yeah. If we would live that way yeah. intentionally, yeah. We would have the blessing of the Lord in our yeah. marriage, yeah. but we don't. Uh -huh. We don't do what he says, mm -hmm. and then we wonder why we don't get what he promised. Right. 
Yeah. So, yeah. got to act yeah. on his act word. Act on his word. And you know, the thing about in marriage and as in all relationship, you know, the word says when you're standing and pray to forgive. And if you have not forgiven, to leave what you are praying about and go and deal with that issue. Ooh. And I thought, I wonder how many people are today living in separation and, and, for, and unforgiveness and anger oh and all this pain because, again, that very simple, that, that particular word, it says act on what the word of God has to say. But we, well, I'm not comfortable with that yet. Or I, I don't really know how to do that. Or, you know, somebody else that's more spiritual can do that better. And God says, excuse me, you are my child. I give you grace. I give you strength to do what his word says to do. And so in success of marriage, in success in any relationship, you know, we actually have to act on God's word in all the characters, the, I mean, the character traits that God says to do. He says in Galatians 5, it says to have love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness. It says there is no law against that. But I thought, I wonder how many of us in our life, in our home life, in our relational lives, we don't even consider the fruit of the spirit mm. in our home. We don't even think about acting on that where it says love, gentleness, kindness, you know, that there is a long-suffering spirit in your home in a positive way that, of, of operating in the fruit of the Spirit. And I'm like, it says to do it. And I think, you know, we have to decide over our feelings. Because I look at some of our, I mean, I look at all of our lives and I'm like, you know, our feelings want to rule and reign in all of our relationships of life, all of our situations, when you're at your job, when you're with your children, when you're with your husband, of course, is what we're talking about, but, but all the relationships and often our feelings rise up. Oh, they hurt my feelings or they, they cheated or they, they talked bad to me or, you know, they, they left with a bad attitude this morning and when they come home, I'm going to just let them know how I felt about that. We forget to say, wait, if I'm going to act on God's word after the situation that did maybe hurt my feelings or was very insensitive to me or made me feel left out, but okay, I get that. Those are all my feelings. They were very real. They were very true. But if I'm going to act on God's word, what do I do instead? How do I deal with that in my life? So we have to know what does the word of God have to say? And let me just say that we at Christian Faith, we we fight for us to understand God's word and to read God's word. That's why we have life groups. You know, that you would be in life groups. That's why we have Bible study Wednesday night. That's why we have gatherings that we can learn the word of God. That's why you're in dream team and in teams that we encourage that sense of knowing God's word. That's why as simple as we say, how do you study God's word? Well, you know, with the wonderful apps that we have today, you can actually look up scriptures so simply to know what do I do about that? You know, you don't have to be a huge scholar to figure out how to find a particular scripture in your Bible anymore. If you've got it downloaded on your Bible or you can look on our CFC app, you can boom, pop up and say joy or kindness or love. Look at a couple scriptures and say, there you go, acting on that word. Yeah, it's not that hard. <clears throat> you just have to be intentional, don't you? Intentional. Here's the scripture for the second point which is to act on his word. James chapter two, verse 10. Faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Right? A lot of Christians think that they have faith, but they don't act on the word. So they're not producing any results. They don't get the miracle because their faith is dead. Yeah. Faith without action, faith without corresponding works is 
dead. Number three, number one, intentional. Number two, act on the word. Number three, agreement. They got in agreement with Jesus. Jesus said, fill up the water pots and take it to the master of the feast. You got to get in agreement. And as a couple, you have to live in agreement. Now, here's one of those spiritual things. Wendy mentioned the fruit of the spirit versus the flesh. The flesh loves to argue. The flesh loves strife. And Wendy and I have had to deal with that because, you know, we're both strong-willed. And we just like to argue because we want to argue. We just fight over stuff that doesn't even matter. Just to, just to debate and to argue. And, and we have to stop and say, wait, why am I arguing? Why am I debating? Why am I upset about this? It's just the flesh. It has nothing to do with the thing that you're arguing about. But here's what you need to remember. Satan uses strife as a door into your marriage. So you argue about the schedule. You argue about what you're eating. You argue about how you drive. You argue about whatever. I remember being in a group meeting and a couple was arguing about the color of the towels in the bathroom. And it created this fight. And then you never like anything I like. And you never listen to everything. I mean, we've gone from towels to you never. And I was single at the time, and I'm thinking, marriage sucks. <laughs> These people are fighting about towels. But agreement yeah. is the place of power, right? When Adam was in agreement with God, he had dominion over all the earth. As soon as he got out of agreement, he lost his home, and he lost his dominion. Jesus said in Matthew 18, two of you agree? Concerning anything you ask, it shall be done by my Father in heaven. Uh-huh. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in wow. the midst. So Husband and wife, do you agree when you are thinking about that new mortgage? Mm. Do you pray together when you're thinking about which bank you're going to go to? Do you pray when you're thinking about making a change in your home? Do you get in agreement when you're thinking about where to send your kids to school? Well, my wife wants this and I want that. I don't know what we're going to do. We'll see what happens. You're in disagreement. Satan comes in through that door of strife. Agreement is powerful. You know, when, when I think about too, you know, that, that, that how to have agreement, it does take an intentional on purpose to listen and to have ears that will hear. But also I would say you also have to be careful of what you always are feeding in to your spirit. What are you listening to all the time? So if you listen to, you know, a bunch of radio, you listen to a bunch of TV, you know, and all they're doing is squabbling and fighting and debating over everything, whether, whatever it could be. Because listen, when I come in and I hear the sports going on, it sounds exactly like to me, like listen to the political going on in the sense of like, if I'm not listening to the the X words, I'm listening to kind of the spirit of it. There is a spirit that just is this argumentativeness that is all around us. Did you say argumentativeness? Yes, whatever. 
Is that just, a word? Just put it in my dictionary. Google that. Just, Argumentativeness. Just, just put it in Wendy's dictionary. Go ahead. Wendy, Go ahead. You'll Wendy find it. Words. You'll find it, church. It's there. Yeah. Come on. Come on, baby. Yeah. But it's yeah. true. It's what you hear. You create this kind of attitude and this spirit. I have found when I allow more um, kind of a fruit of the spirit attitude, a spirit of quietness at times, is like turn things off. You know, don't always have to have sound around you. And then, but then what about just wonderful, great music that's going to really, you know, worship and honor God, that you at least have that, that spirit that's building you. Because I just, I remind you, I said this already, but the flesh is so strong in all of us. Mm. And it doesn't go away, church. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how many, how, how long you've lived. The flesh still cries out to have an argument, to have a challenge, to, to be right, you know, to punch to punch that. And so I, I do things to help me in my life and in my world. And then I would say, just the, the, I'm only just going to like just tap this with us sisters in the house. You know, sisters, we, we are kind of trained in having a, we talk a little bit longer. We're more amplified in what we're going to say often, sometimes, not all of us, but generally speaking, we have a little bit more that we want to say. But sometimes in that little bit more that we want to say, Proverbs says, be careful to be a whiny woman because it's better that a man lives on the rooftop than to live with us whiny, complaining wives. You know? Is that in the Bible? It is. It is. It, it, I mean, I wouldn't say that, but yeah, she said that. Yeah, it is. And I think as sisters have to be very aware of just going, just going too far in that, in, that, in that argumentative attitude or in that you're not perfect and you need to listen to me. I think that we have to be very, very careful and very sensitive about how we push that button all the time. You know, they come home or we see and then we just boom, boom, boom. And we just say words that bring a, a disconnect, a, a, like fine, fine. You know, often men also give up. They're not intentional having peace in the home because what y'all do is fine, fine. And you go and then turn your sports on or go outside and, you know, mow the lawn. I don't know what you do, but something, you know what I mean? That yeah, he, I've been mowing the lawn No, you don't. Mow, he never mows the lawn. That was our agreement. I love mowing the lawn. <laughs> yeah. Our agreement to buy our first house, Casey said, I will never do yard work. And I said, I'll, I'll do it. I promise I'll do it. Yeah. And Which so, you don't do. <laughs> but I, I pay for it. <laughs> true. That is true. Thank you. Thank you very much. I wanted a house. Okay, so get in agreement. <laughs> hey, work is hard to find a place of agreement yeah. as you do to debate and argue. Yeah. Put as much energy into finding a place of agreement so that Jesus can bring a miracle Amen. into your marriage. Yeah. Number four, four. communication. Oof. Communication brings communion. Mm. Communication is communing. You got to talk. And maybe this is where we can pick on the brothers a little bit more because a lot of us men like to say, I'm not really that good at talk. I'm not, I'm not a talker. I'm kind of quiet. I don't really like. No, you got to talk. Yeah. And if you have to force yourself to talk, whatever it takes, if you don't talk, you don't have relationship. And if you stay quiet, the enemy will fill the void. Yeah. Think of it like this. When you communicate, you're building, you're intentional and in having a godly marriage. Mm -hmm. When you don't communicate, you leave a void yeah. and the enemy comes in to fill the void. 
So communication. Here's a scripture for you. Ephesians 4, verse 29. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. So we share truth. We share love. We communicate our heart and our life, but we do it to edify. We do it to bring grace and we know that our communication is creating communion that strengthens our marriage. And I'll just finish with this thought. You have to find a way to uh-huh. communicate. Do it while you take your walk. Sit and drink your coffee. However you do it, find a way mm-hmm. to build communication into your life. And you have to find time. You have to make sure that you give space of time. That means some of us have to start you know, turning off Facebook and turning off Instagram and turning off Twitter and turning off our TV and turning off the other stuff that we're taking all that space of time that we're not giving to our marriage relationship, to our children, to the people around us that are more important. You just kind of have to make kind of those decisions. And I think many of us don't realize that asking questions is a very important part of communication. That you ask the question, you say, because you assume often what the other person is thinking, feeling, and what they're going to do. And, but often, sometimes that assumption is so wrong because it's based on what you would do or what you would think but you don't always know what they would. And I've had people say, oh yeah, but I've been married forever and I know exactly what they're gonna do. But I've been married to him forever and people do, they'll say to me all the time, well, what's his favorite food? I said, well, I can guarantee you he'll like spaghetti, but other than that, oh, and Coke. Those are the two things, okay? Those are the two things. Thank God it's legal now. (laughs) Oh, you meant Coca-Cola. He's, he's so bad. Yeah, I can't believe you do that. So he, he, <laughs> okay, but I after don't church, here's the story. <laughs> after church, Wendy's going to be like, Casey, you got to stop saying that stuff because people are going to think that that's really what you think. And I, I said, no, they know I'm just joking. But anyway. No, you don't know all the time he's joking, right? You don't know that because he does things. And I'm like, you, you, they don't, you don't do that, you know? And I tell him. But anyway, but in, in communication... Okay, you like, accept some. So, but when people ask me questions, I've, I've said them, I said, well, I actually don't assume all the time because he'll change. He'll decide that, no, the second thing that I would think that he would love the best is he went, oh yeah, I don't like that anymore. Because why? Because he's changing. So why do I, oh, in food. So, so why do I assume that in communication that there is not a change? But yet we are married a long time and we stop asking questions. We stop being interested in what they are are thinking or what they are feeling. Like yesterday, we went down to, his, uh, to our nephew's um, uh, birthday party, so we were driving down through Spanaway. Now, Casey always talks about Spanaway, right? He goes, I'm from Spanaway. But we don't drive down to Spanaway very often. But when we drive to Spanaway, I am telling you, this happens every single time. My husband goes to Pure Memory Row, and he tells me this, and he tells me that, and he shows me this, and he shows me that. And the thing about it is, do you know what I feel that I realize every time he goes down Memory Row? I learned something new. I have been married. I've known him since I was 18 years old. We have been married for 40 plus years. What, what, but 40 something. Mm. Married 43 years. I think it's 43, right? Is it close enough? Close enough. We we have been married forever, and there are things that he says that I'm like, that's I didn't know that. 
Because there are new things that if you are interested in your husband, if you're interested in your wife, but if, or if you're just plain and simple interested in people, learn how to ask instead of always assume. Yeah. The other thing is, if, if you don't communicate, if you're not talking, what's the difference between not talking and hiding? Right? So hiding is avoiding issues, staying away from the tough questions, don't want to talk about it, don't have time, just want to live in my own world. When you're hiding, not communicating, you're actually sowing negative seed. It's the sin of omission. Well, I didn't lie. Well, you didn't tell the truth. So you did lie by omitting, by hiding, by withdrawing, by staying quiet. I never forget. Fred Price, who taught us so much when we were brand new in ministry, Fred says, make yourself talk. Make yourself. Even if you don't like to talk, yeah. make yourself talk. Because communication brings communion right. and it brings the blessing of God into your marriage. Amen. All right, where are we at? Number five. Number five, transformation, change. Mm -hmm. Change is a part of growth and progress. Seasons come and go. Change happens. Embrace change. And if you think you are not changing, you are dying. Uh oh. So, right, that's our motto change or die. Yeah. Romans 12, 2 be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You get God's will. Mm -hmm. Don't be transformed. Don't renew your mind. You don't get God's will. Mm -hmm. You're dying. Yeah. Right? So some people just don't like change. Right. Don't want to change anything. Been sitting in the same chair for a hundred years. <laughs> just move it a little. It's, it's so comfortable. Burn the chair just for the sake of change. Right? Just for the sake of change. Move, at least move it. Right? Do something. Something. To change, because change is the way of life. Change is the, and transformation is very key to us as Christians and as, and, and as believers, that we believe in being changed and to be conformed into the image of Christ, right? Mm. But one of the things that I do believe that gets kind of lost maybe in the understanding at times, especially if you're new in understanding this, is that sometimes we think that change means that I am going, I am one personality style, and that all of a sudden I'm going to be another personality style if oh, yeah. I change enough. Right. Like I've, since I was a little girl, I mean, my siblings used to always tease this about me. For one thing, they always called me the little mother and I never meet a stranger because I just talk to people all over the, I just talk. I love to ask people questions. Literally all over the world. All over the world. I always talk to people. I always, I want to know. I ask them who they are, where they're from, what's going on, what's their story. I've, I've been like that all of my life, right? Now, some people have a thought, you know, they've had this wrong thought that transformation and renewal means that, you know, you won't be that anymore. Well, why would you not be that anymore? That's the, that's the person that God has given you to that wonderfully and fearfully made person that he has created you to be. Now, what he asked of that personality is now be confused formed to my image. So that means, like, again, going back to Galatians 5.22, that I, in that, in my personality, 
that I am also loving, kind, joyful, long-suffering, self-disciplined, that I am not overpowering, that I'm thoughtful of other people, that I am kind to other people, that my personality that God put within me, though, it's, it, is, it is seasoned, it is conformed to the image of Christ. Casey, has, he is a meditative kind of personality. He is a more thinker, more quieter. He, he's not like he, he doesn't meet strangers, basically. You know what I mean? He's kind of the opposite. Now, he has been conformed to the image of Christ through all of our life together, which means he has also not allowed the meditative personality to, to just put, you know, be pulled back into a shell. Why? Because that's not being conformed to Christ. That's not loving, giving, and being gentle and long-suffering. So his personality stays him, but it's conformed to Christ. My personality stays me, but it's conformed to Christ. So is true with all of us in this room, which is such a beauty about the body of Christ. He doesn't want us to be these little robots. We're all the same. So transformation, you know, when a person says, oh, I've always been this way. I've had more people say that. Well, I've always been mad, or I've always been quick-tempered, or I always just forget, or I always just, and I'm always like, well, that's actually what we're talking about, being transformed. Not the personality of you being changed, that action of you being changed, that transformed to the image of Christ, because it's never okay to be angry at people in the sense of being mean, because that's not being Jesus on the earth. So I don't care what kind of personality you are, you can't say, well, I've always been this way. And I'm always like, so is it being conformed to Christ? That's the question. Yeah, Jesus loved Peter who is very different from John. Go ahead, go ahead. You like that. Hey, 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 hey. Amen. Sometimes we're getting on an airplane. Wendy starts talking to somebody. The next thing you know, they're having a therapy session. <laughs> I and, do not and talk I on the airplane. Her, Actually, we don't have time for this. We're yeah. getting on this airplane. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but hey, how many uh, married folks have just been wanting or thinking, I can change my spouse. Right. Yeah, we'll get married and he'll change. I think girls may, maybe do it more than guys. We'll get married and they'll change. Yeah. That's a setup. That's setup. You can change you, That's which right. isn't easy. That's right. For sure, you cannot change your spouse. That's right. Right? Not Work right. on yourself. Yeah. When people say, how do I get my spouse to change? Number one, forget about it. Yeah, absolutely. Number two, be a model. Yeah. Be an example. Yeah. Show your maturity. Show your Christian growth. Yeah. Show your yeah. transformation. Yeah. And then maybe yeah. your spouse yeah. will get in on yeah. it. But you yeah. can't make someone else change. Okay, and number six. And if you get married oh, trying so. to get them to change. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you're in trouble. But I actually think what happens, too, is that... Um, Number six is so important, so I'm going to say this really quickly on the last number five. But on this part is that sometimes we do get married, and we're not thinking about changing them at all, but we, but we really think about changing them after five years of marriage. We're like, oh, yeah, I'm tired of this one. You know, you know would you please change that? And we stop appreciating the person that we, we married. We stop appreciating that. Like, like sometimes, like, you know, like Casey is a meditative personality, and he does, you know, he's humor when he preaches and stuff like that. But I can remember one time thinking, I wish you were funnier, and I was, I was getting irritated at him. And then all of a sudden, I was reminded, Wendy Louise, 
You, you would go crazy, Mary, to a person that all they did was joke because it's, it's, it, that is not how God made me to rejoice in, that, in, that, in my mate. And I realized, you know what? You're getting a little funky attitude and you're letting the world way of thinking be not grateful for this man that God has given to you. And I had to reassess, readjust the way because I was getting kind of like picky and gripey, kind of those other things that we talked about. Mm. And I had to readjust myself and remind myself, I married this amazing man. Yeah, that's kind of funny, isn't it? You, you marry them, uh -huh. and after they've been with you for a while, Oops. you don't like them anymore. Uh-oh. <laughs> Maybe it's not them. Oh. Maybe it's being around you. Maybe. That's the problem. They were yes. so cool before they got around you. Uh-oh. Now it's like they need to change. Uh-oh. Yeah, that's because yeah. your smell got on them. Okay. Ho, ho. Whoa, Sim simmer down. Simmer down. All right, where are we at? Number six. Yeah, this is good. Okay, remember, you can go on the app, get all these scriptures, get all these points, yeah. make sure your spouse does them. <laughs> Number six is celebrate. Yeah. Celebrate even the small wins. Yeah. Celebrate every win. Maybe we do it with our kids, right? They graduate from from kindergarten, kindergarten. Uh -huh. we're like having a ceremony, putting on hat and gown, and they're like uh -huh. graduating from kindergarten, which really means all you did was show up. Yeah, yeah, that's First good. grade, yeah. elementary school, yeah, we celebrate the recital, which is good, we should. Do that for your husband. Yeah. Do that for your wife. They sign a good contract, celebrate. Yeah. You know, maybe it's a special dinner, maybe you get to go out, maybe you have the the, the victory enough. plate, the red plate, whatever it is at home, somehow, doesn't have to be a big deal, mm -hmm. but make celebration. We come to church to celebrate Jesus, uh -huh. yeah. to worship, to sing, to yeah. lift our hands, to clap, to celebrate his presence in our life. God told us this is important. Yeah. You need to be in a celebration for him yeah. every week, every yeah. Sabbath. Yeah. Celebrate the Lord. Mm -hmm. Well, we need that for each other too. Yes. Celebrate the, the new child that's coming. Celebrate the birthday. Celebrate even in small ways. It doesn't have to cost a lot. Right. And 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 57, thanks be to God who mm -hmm. gives us the victory. Yeah. Let's celebrate our victories. You know, in, in celebration, the joy is a part of celebration. You know, there's a joy, even like, look at this. The first miracle, Jesus was at a celebration of marriage. Yeah. And I thought, I wonder how many of us in America have, have devalued even going to weddings anymore. You know, they, they, they've said the numbers of people responding is like astronomically just low. People coming lower. People showing up at baby showers. People showing up at celebrations or of life. Or even getting married. Or even slow. getting married, having that celebration. I thought, but I wonder if not getting married now has... It, it sowed the seed back here where we stopped celebrating. We stopped going. We stopped talking about it. We stopped having the celebrations in our life. You know, and I thought, I wonder if us Christians, if we would consider and ponder including the celebrations, not only for ourselves and our marriage, but also in our family life, in our children's life. If, you know, if there's a wedding man, you bring your kids. Why? Because you're talking about the covenant of marriage, and you're putting within the seed of a biblical understanding of what is their future. But what about funerals? You know, funerals are actually a great celebration of a person's life. Now, I know there are 
That's a very hard thing to deal with. But you know what? If you don't bring in all the aspects into your life and into your family, celebration of a funeral talks about life in heaven, talks about the celebration of who they were and what they did. What about baby showers? If you, if you cut out baby showers, well, all of a sudden, what is baby shower? Celebrating of a new life celebrating of that child coming onto earth. And you know, if I bring along anybody that you can, where you sh- you're teaching them, you're having conversations about that. You're teaching them. Like I teach my grandbaby girls all the time. Luke can't, um, Levi can't really understand it yet. But when my, I'm talking to my girls, I talk about, well, when you're married or when you have a shower or when we have your wedding, grandma and papa, we are going to be so happy. I mean, oh, wow. What are you going to, what are we going to do? And I want to sow the seeds of celebration. But then there's also the, the little, the, I think celebration should be, there's Mother's Day and there's Father's Day, but why do we only celebrate one time in the year for a mother or one time in the year of a father? I think it's the mother's privilege to celebrate the father and it's the father's privilege to celebrate the mother and that you could just randomly pick another day in the year or two days in the year and say it's all about mom or it's all about dad and you bring out the, we have a red plate in our house that says you're the, you're, you're the best today, you know? And you make their spaghetti dinner and bring Coke. And you just bring their favorite meal to the table. Actually, I drink milk with spaghetti. (laughs) Who still drinks milk? I mean, you have to be old to drink milk, don't you? Yeah, yeah. But you probably, um, you you have good milk, I'm just telling you. Yeah, like, you know. (laughs) What you don't celebrate, you lose. Yeah, you too. Right? Yeah. Some of you celebrate your team winning yeah. more than you celebrate your marriage. Ooh. Right? Some of you celebrate a financial thing more than you celebrate a relationship. Mm. So that's your value. That's your focus. What you celebrate is important. What you don't celebrate, you lose. Yes. So let's bring celebration into every part of our family life. Joy. And just like Jesus did, being at the wedding, celebrating Amen. this young couple. Hey, when we get to heaven, we'll find out who they were. Pretty cool to have Jesus doing miracles at your marriage. Now, before we go, I want to pray with you today. Have you invited Jesus into your life? <clears throat> Intentionally mm-hmm. born of the Spirit, filled with the Spirit. You know the day. You know the time that you invited him in. Many people call themselves Christians, but they've never really invited Jesus into their life. They're not sure they're born again. They don't know what it means. They're not sure they're filled with the Holy Spirit. They don't pray with the Spirit. Let's move in today. Let's let Him move in today. Thank you so much for joining with us today. I'm praying that you heard something that will impact your life. If you'd like more information, connect with us at the Christian Faith Church app or go to the website at christianfaith.us.